0: This podcast is sponsored by RMA's dual risk rating solution. Built by bankers for bankers, RMA dual risk rating delivers a more granular approach to commercial risk rating, separating a borrower's risk profile from the collateral backing alone. With our pre-built scorecards, your institution can be up and running in half the time. If your bank is interested in enhancing its risk rating practices, learn more at rmahq.org.
1: My name is Crystal Humphreys, and I work for the American National Bank of Texas. I'm also the chair of the RMA Community Bank Council, and it's my pleasure to be here today with Chris Colella and Daryl Fess, who are also members of the RMA Community Bank Council. Chris and Daryl, it's great to be here with you today. There are so many issues, pressing issues, that are facing our community banks. It's such an interesting environment right now and just to name a few of the issues we're dealing with we have unprecedented government stimulus long time continued low interest rates and then of course the impacts of the global pandemic so there i've got a series of questions i'd like to talk to you about today and i'm um, i'm i think chris i'd like to start with you and maybe you could introduce yourself and and then jump we'll jump into some questions about liquidity deployment strategies.
2: Sure, I welcome that. Uh, My full name is Christopher Kalala. I serve as the Chief Credit Officer at at Commercial Bank of California, which is headquartered in Southern California in the Orange County area. We're very active in in both Los Angeles County and Orange County, and we're about a $1.6 billion institution. Um, I'm also on the Asset Liability Management Committee, which um, which um, helps me to look at these, look at kind of deployment and use of, 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 of proceeds, use of our deposits, um, look beyond just the uh, credit function.
1: Well, well, Chris, I think that makes you such a great person to answer some of these questions. Um, this first one is, you know, as we think about the, how the vast majority of U.S. banks have amassed excessive volumes of liquidity via deposit growth, Maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the liquidity deployment strategies that your bank is contemplating. In essence, how are you addressing the question of should we deploy or not deploy? And are there concerns as you're thinking through this about the permanency of these new deposits and how they are going to play a part in your choices of how you place or invest these funds in both the short and long term? And then maybe more specifically or or perhaps just a different way of saying it is, is your bank measurably worried about where these mass deposits came from and whether or not they're going to be going away now or some point down the road?
2: Crystal, great question. There's a lot to unpack there, but I I will start probably... From um, addressing the, the last part of your question, which is you know where where are these deposits coming from? Are they permanent? Um, and because because we had to look at that first to to make some decisions about deployment. And this this assessment might be quite different bank to bank. Um, we we we've, we undertook several analyses of of, of those deposits, um, largely sometimes referred to as sur deposits. Some of them. Believed to have come from um, funding PPP loans. There's there's a great great deal of liquidity in the marketplace. They, they, they've come from you know, a, a variety of sources. And, and as we studied the sources of the deposits that came to us and studied the movement of deposits, it appears to us that, that they're going to be with us for quite a while. So they're here to stay was our conclusions. And the more we looked at it, um, we thought, well, and even if they don't stay, we 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 have an engine that's allowing us to grow our deposit base. So they'll either stay or be replaced, which which led to the decision that we really need to deploy. So so to, to answer part of your question, to deploy or not to deploy, we needed to. Um, we feel the deposits are here, are going to be replaced, and, and 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 we're growing. So we are actively. Um, you can say responsibly, but very timely deploying the funds. Um, and there's really two different places where we where we're deploying them. We're expanding our um, securities portfolio measurably, at least 25, um, and so and um, growing it by 25 percent to be clear. And um, and and our loan portfolio. I was just looking at that, and it's it's grown about 14% year to date, and and we plan on continuing to. Grow it um, in various ways. Um, We are, you know, we're originating um, more credits and we're competing um, more on price than we had in the past. We usually did not tend to compete on price, but we're willing to take that more frequently um, and um, probably opened our credit box a little bit on the margins. We have made some adjustments. So, our first answer, Crystal, to you is um, we felt the need to deploy the funds and. Um, we'll probably be talking about it later, but some of it had to do with, um, you know, what it, what it costs to hold hold the deposits with us and earn virtually nothing if they were held in more liquid form. So we're, we, we decided to go ahead and deploy them.
1: That's really helpful, Chris. Daryl, I'd, I'd really like to hear what, if you have any anything to add to those particular questions. And then maybe also after you have a chance to introduce yourself Speak specifically around how the present net interest margin squeeze is playing into your bank's decision for how to deploy these newly arrived deposits.
0: Um, great, no, Chris's answers are, are, you know, pretty common. I think throughout the industry as to what to do uh, with these funds, and so uh, I think that that you're going to hear a lot of the same things from me. And I'll introduce myself. I am Daryl Fess. I'm president and CEO of Brookline Bank. Uh, We're about a $5.5 billion bank uh, based in Boston. Uh, One of the peculiar things about our bank uh, is that we have a finance company based out of New York City uh, with about a billion dollars in loans. And so when it comes to the, we'll call it surge funds, the the money that has showed up in everybody's bank uh, from all of this stimulus, government stimulus out there, Um, our finance company doesn't generate any deposits. So our bank for years um, has been a heavy borrower from the Federal Home Loan Bank to fund um, those particular loans. The bank itself is pretty much self-funding. You know, it's commercial real estate and C&I business. Um, So, you know, one, one deployment for us has been to pay down our Federal Home Loan Bank Borrowing significantly. And that has had um, the effect of improving our margin a little bit because, you know, some of those borrowings were kind of expensive. And now we have uh, all of this fairly cheap um, deposits sitting around. So that's kind of one of the areas that we've um, targeted uh, that money at. And you know, it could give you a little pause. And I think a lot of people are worried. Do you take all this money and you put it out um, and make new loans with it? And then what happens if they, they dry up? And I think in our case, it's kind of, we go back to borrowing. And so, you know, our actual liquidity source doesn't disappear because we can then borrow back from the federal home loan bank. Now that we have tons of availability there. So um so I think that when it comes to, um, you know, what we think about these deposits, I think I'm on line with Chris that we expect that they're going to stick around. As we did some analysis on these deposits, um, what we found was we attracted a lot of new clients. You know, with the PPP funding, we got a lot of deposits that came from new clients who weren't being serviced by the big banks. Uh, in a timely fashion. And, you know, we've ended up with an awful lot of uh, new clients that came and uh, brought fresh money to the bank that wasn't strictly PPP money.
1: I, I wonder from both of you, did, did either of you, did your banks reach out to any of these customers to better understand the, the source of the funds or what they were planning to do with them, maybe some of your larger customers?
2: sure I'll, I'll go ahead and take it take a shot at that crystal um, yes our account officers ha- had various conversations and um, and would have discussions with with their customer base and um, it seemed to support the conclusions that were being drawn by our asset liability management committee about the likelihood of the funds remaining with the bank um, they uh, in a lot of cases they weren't seeing um, at least for some period of time, a need to to invest in in equipment or get financing, and 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 um, and so um, you know they weren't growing extensively at the time, and so they, the, for the large part, the you know anecdotal um, explanations of the timing the funds will be around um, seem to suggest that they 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 will remain with the bank for quite a while. Um, the type of new money that has come in um, that came through PPP or other sources. We've also expanded our customer base. We a lot of new customers walked in. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot broader than it was before. So in short, yes, the, the, it seems to be, you know, those conversations substantiated our, our expectations.
0: Yeah, and I think um, Chris, you know, some of these companies that got PPP funding um because there wasn't a needs test, didn't really need it. You know, they applied because they qualified for it. They applied because they were scared and wanted to make sure that they had ample liquidity uh, on hand. And you know, some, some types of businesses plowed right through that money and used every penny of it. Uh, and others really didn't need to, to dig in and, and use that money that was made available to them. So it sits here at the bank, partly because where else are they going to put it? There's no great returns out there to get by taking it and investing it somewhere. And most of these small businesses aren't going to just stick it in the stock market and hope for the best. Uh, so you know, I think I think that's part of it. You know, that all a lot of these companies didn't really need to use the money. And then you know, even the companies that. Might be thinking about making some future investments uh whether it's in plants or inventory, they are concerned you know that the that the economic environment is not as stable as it may appear you know according to statistics
2: yeah and and if crystal, if you don't mind, I'd like to leverage something Daryl mentioned um that we thought about as well, which it which is um you know. With, while we we talk about decay rates sometimes in some of our analyses of, of deposits moving along and I think you'll find when rates are low, it's just not costly at all for for, for customers to leave a lot of deposits on hand at the bank. And so um, that went into some of our analyses was was you know, was the extended low interest rate environment? Um, is largely going to make it not very expensive at all for for a lot of our uh, customer base to leave large dollar amounts on deposit so um that that you know that that notion that it's just not costly to, to leave large amounts on deposit is probably going to play a big role what it says conversely then is you know if rates do go up and none of us have a crystal wall we don't know the timing there might be some ex- expectation for that happen down the road but this dynamic could change if rates go up and if they go up dramatically let's say um down the road then then it becomes much more costly to leave the deposits on hand i think we'll have to do a reassessment at that time
1: thank you my next question i really want to want to shift into thinking a little bit more about credit posture. These strategies that you have talked about related to to the deployment of your bank's growing deposit base, how has that influenced the credit posture of your bank's lending function? Has it led to loosening of credit standards or maybe you've seen some more aggressive selection of credit risk? Maybe some of these changes have happened with policy changes or even without policy
0: changes. Well, thanks, Crystal. I think that's a great question. Um, you know, our credit posture generally has not changed. Um, we are probably looking at things with a little bit more of an uh, optimistic attitude, you should say, that we we can look at things and go, yeah, that's probably going to improve down the line, and that maybe we will make this loan, you know, a little bit of optimism and looking at things that it, it's going to improve because the economy will improve. Um, that said, there have been a couple of areas where we have tightened our policy, like things like office space. You know, we don't want to be taking on speculative risk there um, because really nobody knows where the office market is going to go. And I think that ties in a lot to you know where we stand in the pandemic. You know, a couple months ago, we were probably very optimistic the virus is, um, you know, is still here, but the vaccine is here as well. And the vaccine uh, was supposed to, uh, like, make this all go away. And now, you know, this September is starting to feel a little bit like last September with, um, you know, new mask mandates, potential, you know, stay at home and close orders and that sort of thing. Uh, hopefully that does not come to fruition again this time, uh, but I think that you know we still want to look at this optimistically, and that there is good opportunity for us to um, to grow our business and make some loans out there. We're just still cautiously optimistic.
1: That's good to hear. And I, I will turn to you, Chris, and see what you think. How, how concerned is your bank with the ongoing economic turbulence due to the continued impacts of the coronavirus pandemic? Or are you finding that there's still good quality credit business out there available in your loan market? You know, and how, how concerned are you about the longer term effects on occupancy and rental rates and valuations of commercial real estate given the impacts of the pandemic?
2: Yeah, th- th- those, are, those are great questions to ask and, 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 and continue to ask because we're take and, and that's the approach we're taking is to continue to ask those questions. I think our bank's assessment is aligned with what Dar- Darrell said earlier, which is that um, that it looks like with the benefit of the vaccines that, 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 that we'll be able to gra- grapple with the, you know, the virus Better and better as we go forward. There'll be some, you know, soft spots and step. You know, we'll 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 have periods where where the country takes a step back and slows down and finds a way to uh, take, you know, move forward with more economic activity. And well, there'll there'll be those starts and, and and those and those pullbacks. But on the other hand, um, we we may, we maintain of an optimistic outlook. The numbers seem to suggest that that we that we look at, and I guess there's you know it's two different ways we kind of weighed this challenge, and that was you know what's the cost of underutilizing the funds, you know, and 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 yielding and getting an insufficient interest yield. Um, that kind of nudged us forward to to you know that that's playing a role to, in um, in our optimism and t- taking an optimistic look at what's likely to transpire. Um, in, the, in the long haul, we're, you know, just like Daryl's Bank, we, we thought about areas. We didn't change our credit policies. Our credit policy is about the same, but I will say we adjusted our credit box and we, we you know, at the margins, like, like all bankers do. You don't, you, you don't move dramatically in, in one direction or the other, but we, did, we have become a little more aggressive um, in our selection of credit risk. And without changing our credit policy, but there are areas, and it's it's largely sp- sp- very specific to um, to areas that we've seen the pandemic as it rolled out change and be maybe a, have a long lasting effect on um, on how the how the, on the economy or how business is done. And and I and Daryl mentioned office space, and that's where we're seeing it. We we are we, with, again without changing credit policy. We're probably taking longer and looking at it more closely and assessing the long-term viability of any office, any investment property that that involves office space. We're we're not seeing, and you could you could say that even bleeds into some retail retail property types. Um, so selectively, but it's really very specific on um, how it's how those asset classes have been impacted or moved forward. Um, on a trend line that they were going to move forward anyway. And so, um, so that, that's, where, that's where we've tightened up a little bit. But I'd say overwhelmingly, um, we're, we're, we're in a growth mode. We're, uh, I was just looking at some numbers, and we're growing the portfolio outside of PPP in l- you know, lower double digits. And because um, and we do feel like the end of the tunnel is within sight, we are seeing light at that end of the tunnel, and we we really do feel like, although there's a lot of work, to um, you know a lot of work to be done to con- to have the economy continue to grow, we expect that to happen.
1: Great, and you mentioned the the PPP. Daryl, maybe what could you tell us about your bank's thoughts about related to closing out of the PPP loan program?
0: Well, I am really glad the program was there for our clients. And I'll be really glad when it's all done. <laughs> it, um, it was a great program. You know, in the end, it probably is pretty profitable for us, but it has been a distraction. And, you know, this time around uh, for the second round of forgiveness, luckily, most um, of the applicants have already, um, this is a second round. So they've been through it already and they know what the process is like. We uh, ha- hired uh, a company to do an outside you know, solution for, for doing it online, and uh, everybody knows how it works now. They know how to log in. They know how to put their information in there, and we've streamlined the number of people we have involved in the process um, to make it more efficient, and also so that you know, our business bankers, our C&I bankers, our retail colleagues... Um, and even the commercial real estate folks can now focus on getting out there, um, bringing in business and kind of going back to uh, doing what we do as bankers. And, uh, you know, we're excited about that. We have four bank mergers happening uh, in our market, and we think that it's a great opportunity for us to grow. And that means our people need to be out there doing what they're supposed to do and um, and, but uh, so I'm going to be happy when it winds down.
1: Carol, it's good to hear that optimistic view of what you envision your your banking business to look like when PPP is gone. What about you, Chris? What do you think your banking business will look like when all of this is over?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's somewhat similar. It's it's uh, it has been robust, and we expect it to continue to to be robust. And it and 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 with with us being in the. Rows of finishing off forgiveness. Uh, we, we virtually uh, have completed all first round PPP loans. There's, I don't even think there's but, uh, but a handful. You can count it on one hand how many we have left left there. And we and we've done well getting through the applications for forgiveness in the second round as well. So um, that's freeing up time to market. It's it's allowing our officers to become active to do what they what they like to do. As as Darrell mentioned, it was a very good program for our clientele. It, um, we have a lot of um, businesses that were uh, substantially affected. We have hospitality and and service industries that uh, were greatly impacted by the pandemic. So it was an excellent program for them. They got funding that they actually needed um, and um, on the other hand, they need to move, they need to move, move forward as well. So I think all the way around we're seeing uh, we have a good pipeline of business. we're seeing a lot of a lot of growth opportunity. Um, lot, there is a lot of business and it is getting back to what we usually do as community bankers. Um, one challenge we're seeing is um, there seems to be it's probably nationwide, um, in a low rate environment, very fierce competition on the pricing side that's, uh, that's leading to some challenges for maintaining in that interest margin. Um, but ample business and our employees are actually excited to get back to business.
1: I'd like to give you both just one more opportunity to share any words of wisdom or, or thoughts or words of encouragement for our community bankers. Anything else you'd like to share?
2: Well, I guess I could start by um, by saying we'll, we'll need to remain flexible and pragmatic. I'm I'm concerned about in a long, you know, after we get through the next year or two, do we see some pullback or, you know, or or de- economic deterioration um, brought on by maybe unexpected or uh, greater inflation concerns, um, maybe. You know something happens with the virus. There's you know there's a another variant that 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 really causes us to pull back and possibly employ um, some form of lockdown. So I think it's a changing story, Crystal and Daryl. And I think um, I think we're 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 going to need to continue to watch the story pan um, play out and and uh, just you know it's it's just going to be a challenging time for for several years until we see um, you know until we get really get our heads and and get and get it clearly behind us
0: yeah i i would agree with that and you know a little cautious optimism goes a long way i also feel like this is a good time for community banks uh and local banks because um we can still deliver Uh, you know our people are uh, local there's not huge wait times when you you call a phone line and i think that um You always have a person you can talk to at a community bank and that's kind of differentiates us uh, from the mass markets and that's important to people right now.